swing and a line drive left field. Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Frankly, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast. Tonight, covering mostly Red Sox hot stove baseball, we're going to do kind of a, a debate between Blake Snell, Trevor Bauer, which one is the better fit based on not only just performance, but the circumstances it could take to get them in Boston uh, towards the end, we'll talk a little bit about Theo Epstein, kind of weigh his legacy uh, as a GM uh, throughout his career, both in Boston and Chicago. What could be next for him? Plenty of rumors. Could go to Philly. Maybe the next commissioner. Who knows? So there's uh, a lot of interesting layers uh, we might be able to get into there as well. Joining me tonight, Charlie Smith. Andrew Dwan, how are you guys? What's going on? What's good, man? Doing well, thank you. Good, good. So, you know, I, we're still, there's still enough reasons to just pop on and uh, do a show. We do have the non-tender deadline uh, coming up on December 2nd. So what's that? A little over two weeks away. Just about two weeks exactly, almost. So... I think once those dominoes fall, uh, maybe we'll start to see, um, you know, some fluidity in the uh, free agent area, especially with starting pitching. But uh, mm-hmm. so Heim Bloom uh, did an interview this week with WEEI, kind of a fascinating uh, interview if uh, anybody um, wants to pull it up at some point. But they discussed a lot of things and what his approaches might be. And he also discussed, you know, the the likelihood that they could trade, you know, with Tampa, um, you know, if the, you know, if the stars align and, um, but they'll, they'll also be active on the open market as well. But with the Tampa talk comes, comes Blake Snell. So let's kind of get into a hypothetical here. Let's say the Red Sox are going to land one of the two. Just before we get too far into it, Andrew, which which way would you rather see them go? I'd rather see them go with Bauer at that point. Um, I have less questions about his durability and... Obviously, he's going to cost you in terms of draft pick compensation, but um, he's not going to cost you nearly as many assets as uh, getting Blake Snell away from a divisional opponent. And Snell, we all saw him win that Cy Young. I think he had a sub-two ERA, uh, which was two two years ago now. But 
he's had some some issues staying healthy and i think he's gonna demand a solid solid haul of prospects uh chris sale-esque package and then an extension um after only about three years so um yeah give me bauer if we're if there was a mandate and they said go get me one of the two i'm taking bauer Charlie. Yeah, uh, Drew, Drew's right on par there. Um, actually, probably under par. Um, golf terms, as in good, not bad. Uh, Blake Snell had a ridiculous 2018 campaign, just what Andrew mentioned. He's won a combined 10 games in the following two seasons combined, literally less than half the total wins from the following season and double the total number of losses, and his ERA hasn't been below 3.2. Uh, we saw major kind of, uh, eh, I'm going to say major concerns because um, the, the strikeout numbers, while they did get a little bit better, his whip also got a lot worse. And you're getting Blake Snell for three years potentially before you re-sign him. He's two years younger uh, than Trevor Bauer. You take a pick hit and probably you know five or six year deal with him. With Blake Snell, you're going to basically Dombrowski your farm system all over again. For someone that may stay healthy, may not. And here's the thing. Blake Snell does really good against the Red Sox, so that's great. Except you're not facing the Red Sox when you're on the Red Sox. He also does really, really well against, I think, the Orioles. But he sucks against the Yankees and he sucks against the uh, the Blue Jays. So you're, you're, we don't know how he would do against the Rays. I think that he would do poorly against them because they know exactly what he can do. Um, I, I think that the more the logical answer is Bauer, even though his numbers are going to look a little prettier because he was just pitching in the pitchers' league as opposed to the, the hitters' league. And uh, 2021, um, they're not keeping the DH in both. The, the DH is going to be only in the American League, I believe. So Trevor Bauer is going to have to do a little bit better. But but the last thing above all else is durability. The Red Sox have had major problems with pitchers that cannot stay healthy. And uh, Bauer is is proven. He He's going to be like that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to hate to make this comparison, but Rick Porcello-esque, where we know what we're going to get. This guy's going to, you know, shell out 200 innings. He's going to um, he, he's gonna do whatever he can to win. He's going to have a little bit of fire and whatnot. And let's be honest, before this past season started, I don't think anyone was happy with Blake Snell and what he was saying for the sport. So um, I would take Trevor, Trevor Bauer at this point, too. I think um, he's just the kind of gritty guy that the Red Sox would, would like to have, and I think he's the type of player that Boston would really rally around. I, too, lean towards Bauer as well. Sticking with Blake Snell for a few minutes, though, the money situation for him is uh, a little bit more than I thought it would be uh, before I looked it up. In 2021, he is owed roughly $11 million. 2022, it goes up to $13 million. And then in the final year of his deal, 2023, he is owed $16 million. So roughly $40 million uh, total for the remaining three years. Uh, Charlie kind of, you know, or I, maybe it was Andrew hit on the, the durability uh, issues there. Uh, 180 innings the Cy Young year. Besides that one year, he's never pitched more than 129. And it continues to drop down, 107 and then 
two or three other seasons below 100 innings, not counting, of course, 2020. Um, that's a throwaway year. He does have, uh, surprisingly, a, a very good, uh, at least on paper, uh, postseason ERA of, of 283. It would probably be a lot lower if he didn't get thumped you know, a month or so ago against the Yankees in the uh, ALDS. But uh, he got, I, th- I think he gave up four or five runs that game. But his ERA would be a lot lower. Now, before we get into the, the the kind of uniqueness of the COVID market and what 2022 could be uh, with the CBA, w- like, what would a trade package look like if you were going to acquire someone like Snell? Andrew, what 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 do you think Tampa if would you're want? Getting, if you're going after if you're going after Snell, it starts with Tristan Cassius. So he's gone. They're gonna take Jeter Downs from you. They're gonna. I mean, we don't have a ton of high level prospects, so those two automatically are in there. And then you probably let them pick two more. Uh, you give them a list of about five or six, and you say you can have two more. They might go after Gilberto Jimenez, who is starting to skyrocket a little bit in the system. Um, and then maybe a guy you're probably gonna lose one of Duran or Mata. So it, it's going to gut your system. You don't have that depth that you had when you went out. Uh, I, uh, hang on. I think I dropped the call. Yep, I did. Bear with me, everyone. I, uh. we have currently in the system i know we was andrew hang on hang on i dropped the call so right before you dropped you were on uh mata so you you'd mentioned casas and downs being in the package probably duran and mata jimenez and then go ahead and pick it up from there well yeah you 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 pick you're getting those two top guys and then you're giving up at least two more of your top 10 and I think that the Rays will take one pitcher and one hitter. So it's going to be costly. It's going to cost you just as much as the Chris Sale uh, package was. Well, I see. I think I think yours is is too too much. I don't think we would quite give up that much. I mean, I mean, would you agree that despite not winning the Cy Young, Sale was the the better pitcher? You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, he totally was. Yeah. And I think you're also paying the divisional rival tax there, too. Okay. you know, yeah. the, the GM goes to the owner, and he's like, wait, you're trading him to Boston? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, we have to go face this guy four or five times a year, maybe? Absolutely not. You better rob them blind. So I think you're going to have to pay uh, a little bit of a luxury on top of a normal package. So um, you're going to get you're going to get hit by him. I, you, uh, so I, I'm I'm gonna go actually in between because I I don't think it's gonna be uh, a low prospect hit. I I don't think it's gonna be Downs and uh, Tristan both going. Like if they think they're getting both, Sox leadership and and ownership need to say no no no. You have your choice between uh, Cassis or Downs, and then work from there because you know you can't lose both of them and they're both up there. 
Mata could be also on on that list. Uh, Duran is is really high on on a lot of people's lists as well. I pray to God the Red Sox wouldn't try to uh, to put both you know Casas uh, and um, oh my God, what's his name, Jay Groom together. That would suck. I really like Jay Groom. I, I I'm well, I'm excited for him. He um actually. Yeah, he, he just pitched in instructionals the other day, and he did not look good. His fastball was down. Uh, wasn't exactly in great shape either. So um, I'm not too sure how much uh, shine Jay Groom has left on him. So I don't think you're, I I don't think he's going to bring you much in terms of assets. Well, there's there's Groom. There's Noah Songs in there too. I remember when he came in, he was well, blowing everything away. I pray that he doesn't <laughs> go. All- well, he, he we're not going to see him for several years. Oh yeah, easy. We're I think probably four four years, nah, nah, three four years, maybe. But well, I mean, like, who knows? Maybe we can get him back for two years. He's still in the uh, in the military training. Yeah, so you figure two years there, and then maybe another two at least uh, to get ready for the big leagues. I kind of I'm more with Charlie. I I don't think we would give up both Downs and Casas. I think they'd have to pick one of the two and then inevitably it's probably going to be Casas. Um, yeah. And then I, it, we'll have whoever they perceive to be the top pitching prospect. So if I, I would have assumed groom up, up until a minute ago when uh, Andrew was talking about the uh, instructional league appearance. Um, so maybe it does end up being Mata. I'd hate to give up Hauk after the potential he no. did show us. No way. But he's not going anywhere. So w- with that, like at face value, with no weirdness going on with COVID and you know the CBA, here's another way to look at it: Is Tampa gonna be able to move him? Like, is his value ever gonna be higher than it is right now over the next three years? Well. I'm not too sure they want to move him. They're coming off a World Series appearance where they were pretty damn close to winning it. Uh, yeah, I, I think they'll probably run it back. I don't see any reason for them not to at this point. They're, they got to figure out what, what the hell is going on down there, where they're going to play, if they're going to move. So I don't know if you want to get rid of one of your premier players uh, with all that up in the air. Well, here's another way to look at it. Are they going to re-sign him? Because I don't yeah. think they are. No, I, I don't think they would. I, I do think they'd probably move him at the deadline. Um, like I don't six think they can. Contracts up. But I don't think they would love to re-sign him. But barring injury, I don't, he's going to be priced out of their market. Oh, 100%. By a long shot. They're, they're going to be in a different stratosphere. It's like that scene from, from Moneyball where uh, – Brad Pickos, there's the Yankees, then there's all the other teams, then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's not that bad, but there's going to be a lot of other teams that go, oh, they're offering you that total. We'll give you that for the first three years of your seven million seven year deal. Uh, there's going to be someone that, that pays to keep them. I think Tampa Bay will move him, but when the time is right, and right now, the time isn't right because he didn't blow anybody away in 2020. Like he didn't, aside from his last appearance in the postseason, because that was ridiculous. Um, had he had the 2018 season a year later, 
and then maybe a little bit of regression 2020, I think Tampa Bay would have moved him. But because you're two years out of that, we're still not sure about the health situation. I'm sure Tampa Bay would move him if the price was right. But right now, I can't see them making that move either. I feel like you're coming fresh off an appearance. I think you're one or two chips away from going right back to the show. And they're getting to bring up an amazing player in Wander Franco. Oh, great. Uh, probably this year. So they're getting he's been like number one for like two years. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> so yeah. they're going to get some reinforcement here. And they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. I can't really see, uh, you know, a, a runaway team in the American League right now. I mean, we might be, we might identify one, you know, six or eight weeks from now once some moves get made. But, you know, like for instance, if the White Sox get Bauer, oh my God, you know, that they're going to, I think that makes them the front runner, you know, with Giolito, Keiko. Um, I know there's at least one more in there I'm forgetting, but. Um, so, but, Michael Kopech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we got the better end of the sale deal. If you're just looking at the trade before the extension for sure. But, um, I just, if Tampa doesn't want to move him now, it doesn't make any sense that they'll move him at this year's deadline because I mean, the, the, if the plan was to compete, that's it. And like I was just saying right now, there's no runaway team and Tampa, he still looks pretty good. So they could have another deep playoff run in. But just something tells me that they're just not married to him. And there's enough red flags with Snell with the durability. The fact he's only pitched, you know, above 150 innings just once so far in his career. I just, it's... I, I guess I'd be the least surprised out of the three of us if they did move him. And the money looks good. I mean, that solves some issues for the Red Sox. You know, we're we're not going to go over the luxury tax. There's, there's money left over for a reliever if they want to go that route. Um, so I just... I don't know. I I think that there is a there is a possibility that that it could happen, um, and, and it'll be a little painful. But with, with Trevor Bauer, like you guys said, he's only gonna. Well, I shouldn't say only. He will cost another draft pick. But Bloom has said he didn't get specific on which player he would necessarily target, but he did say that they will be exploring players with a qualifying offer attached so Bauer's one of them there's JT Real Muto DJ LeMayhew and one more uh, George Springer so I mean Bauer makes the most sense you know like like we've said on recent shows they're trying to target pitching here's why Bauer you know aside from all of that Here's why Bauer sounds good to me. He hasn't pitched less than 176 innings since 2014. So 176 or above since 2014. He's coming off his best season, a 1.79 ERA. He's coming off his best ever postseason start, right around eight 
scoreless innings in that game against the Braves that ended up going 13 innings, you know, which the Braves ultimately won. So best postseason game. It's nice to see him in a big situation like that pitch very well. And then here's where I really love Bauer. Here's some pitchers over the last several years. And there's going to be a theme here. Uh, and, and that theme is an extreme lack of durability. Chris Sale, David Price, Nathan Avoldi, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, three of which are still on our staff. Then you go, you still have Drew Pomerantz, Clay Buckholtz. If you want to go back as far as 2013, Lackey only pitched well for us that one year. He was damaged goods until he had the Tommy John. That kept him out all of 2012. Finally was healthy, you know, for for 2013. Jake Peavy, we traded for him. He was on and off the, uh, you know, the DL throughout his career. Um, and, And obviously Buckholz was a big part of 2013. The only guy in there... That's was the exception the whole time, Rick Porcello. And he was terrible for most of his tenure here in Boston. You had the Cy Young year, and then he was okay for most of 2018. That's the exception. So a guy like Trevor Bauer is very appealing to me. Blake Snell, I mean... He might have the higher ceiling if he's going to have the best year of his career versus the best year of Bauer's career, but you're looking at multiple DL stints in the next three years. Any thoughts, you know, on the durability aspect? No, I mean, I mean, you 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 hit it right on the head. I mean, that's the thing is you have someone who's proven a couple years older. Kind of like a Max Scherzer type. The guy, I mean, you could shoot him in the leg and he's still like, don't worry, guys, I got this. I'll, I'll, I'll still pitch. Uh, you you have what's proven against someone who's going to cost you way too much. That mixed in with the fact that you might have two-thirds of a season, half a season, maybe no season. You have no idea. As opposed to Trevor Bauer, who I feel is still going to do everything he possibly can to win because the guy's a grinder. He wants, he genuinely, not say that Blake Snell does not, but I think that Trevor Bauer carries a little bit more. I think he just has more passion, more fire. And that's the type of person you want to have playing in a big market city. And Boston would allow him to relish that opportunity. He would be instantly one of the faces right alongside Chris Sale uh, and Erod. You have Bauer on that rotation combined with those two. That's ugly. Insert Hauk. You just have a, a filthy one through four, and if all of those start clicking, yeah, that's that's more than five hundred baseball right there. Andrew, yeah, I mean, I, I I've grown a little more on bringing Bauer in. I, I think everyone knows that I'm pretty high on keeping the picks, but I I think he'd be durable, like you said. I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about the market being too big for him. He clearly doesn't care what people think. So that's not going to affect him at all. So if he can bolster the staff while, you know, Erod and Sale get up to speed, because it's going to be a few months, 
before you know they're anything like we expected it'd be great he because i do think they're going to compete this season i think we're going to see a lot of moves coming up from bloom i think he's going to rebuild the bullpen uh albeit with some names that boston fans probably won't be too happy about because they'll you know they'll be scrapped absolutely help us get to that 88 wins that will probably be what it takes to reach the playoffs and Charlie hit on something earlier, uh, you know, with the character issues. You know, Snell made some comments that pissed off even a lot of his own fan base last season when he said, you know, it wasn't going to be worth it to play on a prorated contract and that he probably wouldn't. And his tune changed not long after that. And, you know, he pitched the whole year and was pretty quiet and, you know, went on to have some moments in the postseason, but that's not going to fly in Boston. And we just had a Tampa pitcher named David Price who never. Who? <laughs> I'm just kidding. The guy we're still paying $16 million a year for. Um, but he never won over the fan base. You know, he might have had us all. I think we all gave him a chance in 2016, and that was a fairly quiet year for him. And then he pooped his pants against the Indians like, you know, we expected he probably would. And then after that, it just, it never came back. And I really don't want to go down that avenue again. I don't think Blake Snell would be quite that bad, but I don't see him thumping his chest, you know, being proud to be, a, you know, a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. I can see Trevor Bauer being that guy. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, and I can also see Bauer being a pain in the ass, you know, if he's having a bad year. And, I mean, right before he got traded to the Reds, he kind of had a hissy fit on the mound when Francona came out to remove him and he chucked the ball over the center field wall from the mound. And he apologized immediately after the game. There was, you know, there was clips of him doing that and and whatnot and it just happened to be right up against the uh the trade deadline you know within a few days so he got moved to uh Cincinnati but but yeah I just that's the one comfort level I have with him is I just I think he'll like pitching here I think the fans will like him and the durability is just huge and Look at the potential one, two, three for the postseason. You're going to have a rebuilt elbow for Chris Sale. You you would potentially have Trevor Bauer in there. You'd have Eduardo Rodriguez, who should be pretty well rested. Hopefully not too well rested and, and rusty, but in theory, by the time the postseason gets here, he should be okay. And he did have a pretty good postseason. Um, you know, appearance against the Dodgers in the World Series. Cora kind of screwed him by sending him out to face Puig one more time, but um, but still, you know, a, a great performance. And e- uh, excuse me, uh, Evaldi, I'm, I can't stand that contract, but he steps up in big moments. I think that's as good of a rotation as we've had since '04. If you want to say on paper, I mean, 18, you know, Sale wasn't healthy, though. So that's why I, I kind of skipped over that. And then, you know, Price got buried against the Yankees. But that's still, like I said, a, a great one, two, three. 
and would probably the best be the best one, two, three uh, in the American League East. Arguably the American League. I mean, there, I, I was adamant earlier this year when I said uh, what I said about Blake Snell, where I said, "Oh my God, this guy's going to kill the season before it even started," because he's talking about. Um, he said it's a shorter season, less pay. I got to get like I, I got to get paid. I got to get mine. Like I'm I'm not playing unless I get mine. And I remember him like trying to like map it out. Like I'm risking my life, and he was getting upset at other people that were kind of harping on him because there were a lot of people that were bandwagoning kind of on what he said and here's the thing you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars one way or the other you're playing a fraction of your cost you're you're playing a fraction of the season why would any team pay you your full salary if you're only making one-third the appearances assuming you even make those appearances barring injury or anything like that so I was pretty against him to begin with. I think it would have been more, possibly more difficult for me to make a decision. Um, I don't know, maybe not. It, it just it, the the clear cut answer makes more sense. The Red Sox have a lot more space as far as salary to dish out. I mean, you only have a couple of major contracts right now. Salary arbitration doesn't really kick in for some of these guys for a little bit, and I don't think all these guys that are expecting to get paid are going to end up in Boston anyways. I, I just I don't think he fits as well as somebody like Bauer said. We, we, we're we kind of all feeling the same thing. Bauer makes more sense. It is what it is. Uh, any more thoughts, Andrew? Um, yeah, I got to defend Snell a little bit there. Uh, with what he said, that came after the owners and the players agreed, and then the owners wanted to take even more money. So he was cool with playing – for what they initially agreed upon. But then the owners did want to stick their hands back in the pot and take a little bit more because I think we can all agree the owners were dicks all during that process. I remember we were like, well, that's the season. And I think we said that like (laughs) nine different times. It looked like they just absolutely were going to kill it um, on several different different occasions. So, um, yeah, just a little defense of Snell there. I still prefer Bauer. Okay. Yeah, and th- that's fair. You know, there there was a lot of tension between both sides. You know, so you know, I, I guess I, I guess he kind of I, I I can see why he got upset a little bit, but I can still say see him saying something stupid. You know, in Boston that you know gets the the ballpark lit on fire or something. Um, yeah, but anyway. All right, so the other news, and I kind of want to get into uh, what you just said, Andrew, a minute ago. I'm going to have some thoughts on um, 2022 at the end of the Epstein um, segment. But uh, getting into him right now, he stepped down, uh, I think officially he it's not until the 20th, so he's got that's tomorrow. But by all intents and purposes, you know, early in the week, he said he was stepping down his, you know, tenure as the whatever he was in Chicago, the vice president of operations. 
is over. And Jed Hoyer, who's been literally his right-hand man basically since Epstein was hired as the manager, uh, general manager in Boston in uh, 03, uh, Hoyer will take over as the, you know, the top executive in uh, Chicago. So um, leading off with Andrew again, what were your thoughts on his performance in Chicago? I think he did a really good job, especially early on. Um, There's no doubting that he can find guys and he knows who to target in trades. Where he gets in trouble is when they give him the uh, checkbook and then they're like, all right, we trust you. And that's when he starts kind of kick his, kicking his own ass there, especially with like the Hayward contract. But, you know, going in after he had traded Anthony Rizzo and then getting him was an amazing move. I mean, I might have a statue outside uh, outside Wrigley in 20 years. He He is like Mr. Cub. And bringing in Lester was a great move. And there's no denying, you know, you he snapped 200 plus year streaks for <laughs> World Series droughts. So he did a great job, and they'll be indebted to him for it. He made some. He did get rid of a lot of talent. Uh, some of the younger guys around the league that are just studs. Uh, they were Cubs, and they were international signings that he made. And, you know, that's what prospects are for. They're to reload, and they did win rings with them. But, like, Eloy Jimenez for uh, Quintana, that, I mean, that that's a big one. And then um, a guy in our own division, Glaber, for just a rental of Chapman was – that was also a hefty cost, but – he got them a ring. Uh, I don't think they would rather have those players back over that ring. So overall, good move, good moves by him. And, uh, you know, he does his little 10 years uh, at each organization, and it works out. Charlie? I remember being so salty when Theo Epstein left Boston because it was like a really bad breakup. Like you come home and you see your girlfriend with someone else. You're like, what? How, how how dare you? And then when it, he went to the Cubs, it was kind of hard to be super upset with him because it was the Cubs. They were just not good. I mean, they just, they didn't really seem, I mean, they had moments of, of brilliance, but you have like flashing memories of uh, like Carlos Zambrano, who was arguably the best pitcher for a year or two, just raging every single time he didn't get the situation to go his way or, you know, the the Bartman incident, just like all of these moments in, in Cubs history. Granted, that's not when Theo was there, but uh, it, it was hard. And I remember, like, when we when we look back at some of these deals, like, oh, my God, like, we had Anthony Rizzo and we got rid of him for Gonzalez, really, for just a little while of Gonzalez. But, um, you know, Andrew hit it already. You know, 86 years, curse broken, got us two titles in four seasons. I, I can't complain about that was able to break the longest curse in baseball by getting the Cubs a title. And yeah, while that cost was hefty in, in, in Glaber Torres, here's the thing. Prospects either hit or they don't. There just happened to have been a lot of prospects that did. The Yankees taking credit for Glaber Torres is a joke. It's not a it's an absolute joke. They they don't get credit for for like honing his talent and ability. The guy was already proven and everybody knew it. It was only going to be a matter of time before he made um, 
a real dent in into somebody's team. But here's the thing. If you still have Gliber Torres on your team and you don't have that reliever, there's a very good chance that that Cubs drought is still going today. So he came in there with the intention of winning a World Series title for Chicago. He didn't. There's nothing else that needs to be said. And he brought in a lot of pieces that he was familiar with. You know, bringing back some of these players in deals that he had shelled out. You know, like I think there was some resentment or some, oh, damn, I shouldn't have done that when he traded away Rizzo. Rizzo ended up coming back to Chicago. Uh, he liked John Lester. Lester came to, uh, came to Chicago. Like a lot of the players that played in Boston or got moved from Boston to another team ended up coming back to Chicago because Theo Epstein and those players already knew one another. And um, I, I think he's, he's one of the best GMs that, that we've seen in baseball. And yes, you know, like Andrew's uh, mentioned this before, he's made a lot of moves where you're like, oh, crap, that one didn't really work. And, and here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of moves that don't work out our way or don't work out specific teams' ways. All you need is one or two to hit. It's like the prospect thing. You just need one or two prospects to hit. Not all of them are going to turn into gold. So, you know, we can harp on the fact that, um, you know, he's made some moves for, for players that just didn't work out. But I think it's important to also highlight some of the moves that ended up working out for the team. Like, yeah, you got a hefty price paid, but you got arguably the best closer in baseball for a short rental, and it won you a title. On to newer and better things for, for Mr. Epstein over here. You have to say it was a success because a championship did, you know, culminate, you know, during his tenure. So I I can't like totally trash, you know, what Epstein did in Chicago. He did build a decent core, but after the World Series win against the Indians in 2016, which by the way was probably my favorite non-Red Sox World Series ever in terms of entertainment and being glued to it it just i don't know i just i thought it was the best uh you know since since i've been a hardcore fan uh but anyway so after that things just kind of took a dive and and you just he wasn't quite as brilliant as as i remember with boston like this there wasn't much sustainability after the World Series, and some of the themes are kind of the same as Boston. Excuse me. He um, he never developed pitching. The bullpen, the whole time he, he was there, except for the two months they had Aroldis Chapman, was never great. You know, he never found his Jonathan Papelbon or even his Keith Folk, you know, the bullpen was definitely a, a big weakness and he just by the end of it i mean i don't think he was a top 5 gm in the sport you know you, you look at friedman bloom was essentially the gm of, of uh tampa i think alex anthopoulos in atlanta is brilliant he he was also very good with toronto uh his last few years there jeffrey lunau you know as sleazy as he is you know was was great and made great moves you know in free agency and you know during the season you know as far as trades go uh antonetti 
in in Cleveland, uh, you know, gets a lot out of uh, kind of a mid-level budget. Um, And I just, I don't think Epstein was quite as good as these guys by the end of it. And in Boston, he had some misses, you know. I mean, the the Crawford signing was, was probably the worst. Gonzalez, I mean kind of a cancer as as Andrew said uh in, in the group chat yesterday um you know <laughs> his shortstop uh never ending cycle of them with Renteria and Lugo those were ugh, those were bad <laughs> yeah but he you know he came in though and he got shilling you know I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna no he- He's great at those moves. I I think he's a genius with those moves. It's the high price free agents. I don't know what it is, but he can't sign them. Like that Kimbrel deal that Chicago's dealing with right now, he still has sixteen million due each of the next two years. And the guy has an ERA in the fives. Those are the ones that just kill you, especially when you know, Chicago right now, it's like, do we just outright release Chris Bryant? If we can't trade him, like, what are we going to do about this this salary situation? We have to pay Javi Baez. We got we just had to pick up Rizzo's uh, deal because you know they would have burned Wrigley to the ground again had they let him walk. So he tends to get them in these little precarious situations when he opens the wallet up and is just a little too generous. Yeah, I mean, and those speak to some of the misses I, I was getting at and. You know, he made some great early moves to set up that whole run. and But you also got to give him credit for getting guys like Pedroia and Lester yep. on team-friendly deals. The Buckholtz deal was good at the time. Um, you know, he brought back Mike Lowell uh, after he was basically a, a one-year rental, I think, from the Marlins. Um, in mm-hmm. a trade he didn't even make, by the way, because that was when the monkey suit thing went down. And, you know, <laughs> rather than being bitter about it, you know, he still brought back uh, Lowell on a three year deal, which was okay. I mean, he was kind of limping towards the finish line towards the very end of it, but, but still, but it uh, didn't kill. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he got t- two championships in Boston. I, I think we would have beat the Phillies in 2008 had, Tampa not nipped us there in uh, game seven. Yep. Yeah. So I, I just think, I think he walked the tightrope in Boston. He, it wasn't perfect, but you know, he, you know, he kind of, he kept the ship afloat and, and, and kept us pretty competitive there. And then Chicago for the same amount of time, basically um, just not quite as good. And so, let me ask you guys this, because you guys, Charlie was more of a bench guy that season, but, um, and Andrew, you weren't here yet, but when Dombrowski got fired uh, towards the end of, of 2019, did did you want Theo back? Like, was he, like, in your top three, let's say, or or did you just want that, you know, chapter to stay closed? Oh, I, I, I was Theo gone. I would have loved to have Theo back really? um, oh. yep. in any capacity. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a GM. Uh, well, back then it would have, you know, like 
president of baseball ops is a great position for him. And you still have someone else kind of working the checks and balances. So yeah, had, had they had brought him back after Dombrowski, I would have been stoked because, oh, okay. you know, he would have had been working the trades and, um, you know, the smaller free agent fines. So yeah. I'm the same way. I remember that I was very, very nervous and 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 not feeling very good about the the moves with Dombrowski because he, we we knew what this guy was. This guy's like Chainsaw Al. If you don't know who that is, Google him. Um, the guy's all about cutting whatever he has to cut and get whatever he can uh, to make what he thinks is going to be gold. And the the one trade that really it horrifies me. It terrifies me. It's like walking out to your car in the middle of winter and forgetting your keys inside the house that now is locked. You're screwed. Uh, was that trade for Tyler Thornburg? And that one still hurts um, because of the players that we, you know, we gave up. There was, there was so much for, for nothing. Um, absolutely. Theo Epstein was the number one person on my mind because he got two world series in four years for us. No one had one for the last 86 total, and he managed to do it twice in the span of four years at the age of, like, what? How old was he? 30, was it 34? He was 28 when he got hired. So that was right, but late 02. How old was he when he oh four? All right, so 04, he was what? Roughly 30. 32? 30, and he did it twice? Come on. You know, it, it's it's just silly that you know we're we're looking back at it. We 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 remember when he was the GM, and um, it was it was crazy. I just oh man, it made it made no sense. Like I understood he wanted to challenge himself and do it. He did it. It just I I would take him, and I and I'd be shocked if the percentage of people that wanted Bloom over Epstein was more than. You're you're gonna get sixty plus percent saying we want Theo over Bloom or Theo over anyone, just because of what he's been able to do not once but twice and three times total. It's just silly. It's silly. I believe it or not, and I guess you're probably not gonna be surprised at this point, but um, I didn't want him back, and uh, you know I was Jeremy was with me, you know, on both shows each week, and um. I think, yeah, Matt was with us uh, towards the end of that season. And, and I was saying very, you know, emphatically, look at Tampa, look at their front office, look at Houston's front office, look at the Dodgers' front office and and pull someone out of there. I just, even at that point, I had kind of already decided that Theo was kind of, you know, he was you know, from a previous decade, you know, that's where his success was. That's where his line of thinking was. I mean, Dombrowski came in in 2015 and, and ran this team like a, like it was the late nineties, early two thousands and made those types of moves. And yeah, it, it led to a title, but we're, you know, we're still kind of paying for that title right now. And I just didn't think, I just thought it was, it was best to just move on and try to stay, up with a lot of these front offices and then we ended up with bloom and a friend of mine uh dm me and said you know how do you feel about the bloom hiring and i said i said i love it and i don't love anything (laughs) you know because i'm Uh. i'm you know perceived as you know one of the more negative guys uh but 
but yeah, so I, I was happy with that. And, you know, I've told you guys this week, I mean, I, I don't appreciate the, you know, the, you know, political dancing that, that Bloom does, um, you know, where he's not very forthcoming. And, and I get that he can't be entirely, but but there's articles being written on him right now about how he, he gives the media nothing. So it's, it's you know, it's it's being talked about, you know, in the press. But but anyway, you know, so I just, at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm kind of glad the Red Sox at least went the route they went over Theo. Um, what's, what's next for him? The, the Phillies said yesterday uh, publicly that they're going to, they're going to make a play for him and do whatever it takes to try to get him in Philly. So could be round three, you know, with him um, leading an organization that I, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. I think he sits out a year or at least part of a year. I don't, I don't see him jumping into another spot with this off season. Cause I mean, honestly, who would want to pick up a job this off season when you don't know how much you're going to be able to spend, you know, who you don't know who's going to do trades. It, I think there's a little too much uncertainty. I think he's going to sit back a year, you know, enjoy his little free agency period. And I think, I don't even know if he goes back as a GM. Um, who knows if I don't know what his relationship with Boston ownership is. But with what they're trying to do in terms of acquire other assets, like multiple multiple sports teams in both North America and Europe, he could go the Billy Bean route and maybe, you know, be working with an entity overseas. I don't think he has to be a baseball guy exclusively. He's a great analytics guy. He's a genius. So I could see him expanding on um, kind of just – his ventures at this point after a year or so and taking on a completely different challenge. I I'm also kind of leaning in that direction. Um, everything that Theo Epstein has said, he's done. He's never once strayed away from anything that he said publicly or semi public, uh, some semi publicly. He's always been adamant and stuck to his gut. If, Theo Epstein says he's going to walk away and take some time away. I absolutely believe he will do that. I don't think he's going to get like a a ten year, one hundred million dollar deal to be the GM for a team. That's just not going to happen. It's 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 just it's not. I think he genuinely does want to. I think find himself a little bit, maybe not as a GM. We don't know. Um, if the Phillies come knocking or another team comes a knocking, I mean, who knows what'll happen? I think he's just going to enjoy twenty twenty one. I think he's earned the right to dictate where his career goes. And I think there will be a team that offers him a lot of flexibility. But again, there's still so much uncertainty. We've mentioned this before of a potential lockout in a couple of years. I think he wants to see how everything plays out before he makes a decision. And I think he also wants to enjoy just being a dad without having to be away from his kids. I mean, he's been married for, what, 10 plus years and he's got two kids. So maybe he just wants to be a dad. And there's nothing wrong with that either, you know? Like, we think about, um, you know, one of the players for the for the White Sox was Adam LaRoche, who ended up retiring early because the I think some players or ownership just said, yeah, you can't bring your son anymore. And he's like, well, you know what? Being a dad's more important to me. I want to spend time with my son, so I'm not going to play baseball anymore. So maybe he just wants to be a dad. We'll see, you know? Time will tell. 
If the Phillies, you know, unload, I don't know what GMs get paid. It's it's lower, you know. I think it's typically in the like the two to five million a year range. So if they blow him out of the water with, you know, a, a ridiculous annual salary, I can see him doing it. And like Charlie said, you know, he did express that Epstein did that he wanted to. Uh, take some time off and and whatnot, but he also said I'm not. But at the same time, he's not ruling anything out. So you know, so th- I think that does kind of bear watching a little bit. But if he does take the time off, the timing of that is perfect for when the CBA comes and the owners vote on who the commissioner is going to be, if it's still going to be Manfred, um, you know, if, if he doesn't get voted in, then that paves the way for a guy like Theo and Theo's legacy. I mean, he's already possibly the greatest general manager in the history of sports. You know, he, he reversed, uh, you know, a 108-year curse and then an 86-year curse. So that's what, 194 years of curses that have <laughs> been reversed with two of the most storied sports franchises in America. So his legacy is looking pretty good. But being the commissioner of a sport, that's prestigious. And he could build, like, if he can turn this game around get more people in the you know in the ballparks get ratings up a little bit i think that's the next big thing for him and that pays pretty well you know being the commissioner and for the first time i haven't tweeted it i haven't i haven't talked about it on here i'm going to say it right now i think two things are going to happen I think Manfred is out for sure. I don't think they're going to bring him back. There's no more bullets for the guy to take. He doesn't have any more room in his body for more bullets. And all the changes he's tried to make, even before 2020, haven't worked. You know, the games are still long. Uh, Ratings are down. Attendance is dwindling. So nothing is going the right way. He... He's lost the respect of the players, and a lot of owners weren't happy with his handling of the scandal in Houston. I just don't see a path forward. I I think this ship has taken on too much water uh, for Manfred to 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 pump out, and so I think the owners are going to move on from him. And I think Epstein is extremely popular. I don't know if he's going to get it, but. He'll be considered. Tom Warner was the runner-up to Manfred this last time around, and I mean, what makes him qualified? You know, so there's that's number one. Number two, I don't think there's going to be a strike. I really don't think there's going to be a strike, and here's why: if the pandemic didn't happen, then the strike could happen. But because the pandemic happened, they're not gonna. They're not going to put themselves in another position to lose most of a year's worth of revenue. I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I think I think owners of teams are going to have to, you know, bite the bullet and make some concessions 
to the union. I think Tony Clark is much more popular with the union, you know, with top players around the league, you know, like Max Scherzer, for instance, is a, is a union representative. I think Matt Barnes, believe it or not, is the union representative uh, from the Red Sox. But Clark is kind of popular, and I think he became more popular this year with all those people by sticking to his guns, fighting for the players. And he's popular with his group, much more so than Manfred is with his. And I think the owners know this. I think concessions are going to have to be made. I don't know specifically what, but um, I I think a strike at this point is very unlikely. And teams are going to lose revenue in, in 2021, by the way. I'm pretty confident we're going to get 162 games in, but it's not going to be full capacity crowds in April. It's going to be 50% at best, maybe even like 33% capacity, you know, in April, maybe May. And I think it'll tick upwards, um, you know, as the season goes, but, but a strike would be almost a knockout blow to some organizations. But, but I think that's the job Epstein also has his eye on. So I went on there a little long, but any any thoughts on any of those aspects? I I wish I shared your optimism for no strike, but I just don't see how there won't be at this point. I think the players' union they want to get rid of like the draft pick compensation being tied to players, which is just it, it's broken right now. As we've seen guys not signed to the All Star break, which sucks for them. Uh, you know they're prorated contracts at that point, so they're losing millions and it's killing their market uh, market competition. Because any other year, I'd be like, oh my god, George Springer and Trevor Bauer, yeah, let's go get them. But I just don't see how there's not a strike, unfortunately. But on a brighter note, I would love to see Theo step into the commissioner role if he wanted it. Um, he did an interview the other day and mentioned how he would like to take back some of the mistakes he made in turning baseball in, um, into some things that it is right now. Uh, he wants to get the pace of play back up, um, like all the shifting stuff. He was like, yeah, we, we kind of maybe overdid it with the analytics just a little bit. So if he can be the, you know, the usher into the new wave of baseball, which we desperately need, I'd be extremely happy to see him in that position because I think he's a bright guy and I think he can think outside the box and that is what we need right now. Charlie. Is on mute. (laughs) Or maybe he's asleep. I don't know. I am on mute. I've been talking. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, be better about like jumping right off of that but i just started talking um i pray that i i do agree with andrew i really hope i really hope there's no strike because you god you you want to talk about getting down that with like 2020 of oh my god we're gonna have limited baseball too like please let's just have like six games of baseball i i don't know how much more beating the sport can take i i did lose you guys for a couple minutes earlier so i'm sorry um i'm not sure what happened um, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna agree with Andrew on this one too, it, and 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 second that if there's a strike in 2022, I'm gonna be really upset, really really unhappy. 
I I don't think there will be. I mean, Andrew could be right, but I just think I think they have a lot more to lose in revenue in one year than they will in seven years if they're giving up certain concessions. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, you also you also briefly touched base. I did want to like. Um, you know, hi- highlight that as well. But like Manfred's done just so much damage to the sport. It's just ridiculous. And a lot more people are behind Tony Clark. I, I could see him being someone, once, uh, you know, in a higher position in the future, because once Manfred's gone, it's not a question of if it's when uh, at this point, because the last like year, year plus has, has just been an absolute nightmare for him. Absolutely. Uh, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap? No, we might see uh, some minor moves tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last day to get guys on your roster for the Rule 5 drafts, so there could be some some minor trades out there that we see guys that we know aren't going to get protected get traded to another squad that will want to get their hands on them now before you know risking them not being there at their selection. So nothing too crazy, but a move here or there. Uh, we'll probably see tomorrow. Is there a name you have in mind that could be on the? No, move? not really. They still have okay. to add like groom to the uh, to the roster and a couple others, but okay. uh, we might see them trim a little bit more fat and you know trade for a guy in a similar situation with another team. Okay. Charlie, anything? Uh no, man. It's oh god. <laughs> We've covered quite a bit. It's going to make me wonder. Like I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more research on both of those pitchers. You know, both Bauer and and Snell. Uh, but I, I think honestly, majority of people would say the same thing. You know, I'd be shocked if if someone were to try to make a convincing argument outside of the well, they're prospects. You don't know, you don't know what they're going to turn into. But yeah, you also, we also don't know what they're going to turn into. That's it's, it's very accurate, but. I mean, the, the upside is so high on some of them that I just don't think the the risk is worth the potential reward because I don't think adding somebody like Blake Snell is going to ultimately win you a World Series. It's going to take a lot more than that. I think Trevor Bauer gets you a little closer. That's it. Okay. All right. Good show, guys. And uh, if a development happens, uh, we didn't talk about Cano, but maybe maybe if something else happens, we'll get into that, plus the, the extra development on another show. But uh, have a good night. Right on. All right. Take, take care, guys. Episode 234 in the books. Uh, kind of a fun episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we're just going to kind of be keeping an eye on things. Um, tough to tell what's coming up. Um, I did say in the open, basically, that the non-tender uh, deadline is on December 2nd. So there will be a lot of action uh you know, in the hours uh, following the deadline. So we'll definitely be on um, before then. And um, if you enjoy the bonus segments that we do, I'm sure I'll find a reason to do one or two of those as well. So everyone, uh, enjoy your uh, the remainder of your week and uh, have a good uh, Thanksgiving if um, we're not back on before then. 
Take care.